I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. On this week's episode of Barbecue and Tech, Brisket Basics. How to get started with your brisket. I'm your host, Rod Timmons, joined by my partner in crime, best friend in the world, and co-host Chris Ashley. I love him. We are here to talk about brisket, not about socks, which we have to talk about that one episode because it's a fantastic idea. We are finally going to talk about this. So I'm going to let you take for off, you. But I swear, if we don't talk fat side up, fat side down, at some point in time in this episode, you and I are going to have some issues. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll definitely uh, cover that. So what's up first? Oh, how you can support the show. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I was like, I, I don't know. I, where do you want to start? Let's talk about injecting meeting. Let's talk about carving it. Um, yeah. So if you want to help support the show, actually, a ton of people have already done this. They've had over, they've actually head over to the, um, the barbecue and tech website and they've actually clicked on the store link because we have t-shirts uh, for barbecue and tech. Chris has made some beautiful ashtrays. And I've made some cutting boards and people have been gobbling those things up. So we're definitely going to be trying to refill the store with some new, some additional items and probably trying to put more items in stock. Obviously, many of Chris's ashtrays are like one of a kind uh, items he's making. So again, just a, a very fantastic thing. You can buy shirts. You can actually, many of the times we'll leave links. Sometimes they just go right to a vendor's website. Like I have a, I think a decent pick later on today, um, for seasoning. Um, but. Many of our picks actually do lead you to Amazon. We're Amazon affiliates, so we do make money off of you going and buying things through our links. Definitely during the holiday season, if you're getting stuff for your barbecue friends, follow one of the links and leave reviews for the show. Five-star reviews are accepted everywhere you go. Uh, there are no other stars other than five, so leave a five-star review wherever you subscribe to the show. Tell your friends about the show. Get them to subscribe to the show. And on their behalf, why don't you just leave a review while you're at it? Yes, we need to see those reviews coming in, please. That helps out a lot. And uh, yeah. we we're trying to grow the show and get some. The more people we have in here, the more ideas we have, the more conversations we have. And, you know, all of us are going to be those best backyard pit masters we can be. Yeah. And you can support us on Patreon. There's a number of people who are already doing contribution support on Patreon. And yes. those those supporters on Patreon are really going to help us start to do things. We have a show that's going to be coming up soon where we're actually it's not going to be necessarily talking about smoking, but we're going to get into um, sous vide. And Chris and I will actually use some money we've made from the show to go out and buy a sous vide machine and actually learn take from what we're learning from somebody who's really good at sous vide to try the technique out. 
I look and say sous vide cheating for people who don't know how to grill a steak. But hey, you know, teach his own. But we will actually yeah. be trying some of those things out. So yeah, so we're gonna learn together. We're gonna learn yeah. together how to how to do sous vide. And I got a guy that's been doing it for a long time, and I went to his house and he created a, an entire. You know, somebody invites you to dinner. You're like, okay, yeah. So what's what's on the menu? And it's like, oh, we just made some steaks. My boy did like an eight course meal. I was like, hold up a second. Am I at a restaurant or I'm at your house? And uh, the main course was uh, sous vide pork, and it was phenomenal. First time I ever had it, uh, anything sous vide. So we're going to definitely get him on here to kind of help guide us through how to get started in in, in this. So, And I know we got uh, folks that are in, interested in it. And so it's going to be a fun little journey that we all can take together. And on the Patreon note, let me shout out uh, Dimash. And uh, Dean, thank you for supporting us, two of our new Patreon supporters. Uh, we appreciate you. And uh, folks, any dollar you put in, we're just going to put towards the show uh, to growing it and making it better and testing out new equipment. Uh, so you don't have to, you know. And, uh, oh, yeah. and if, I hope everybody appreciated. Like we tried, we got the Thanksgiving show out prior to Thanksgiving for you guys for turkeys. And one of our traditions, both Chris does it and I do it, is for Christmas, we try to do an extra, another episode where we talk about prime rib and cooking your prime rib. So we will absolutely have a sneak episode that'll come in here just a little bit for the holidays, just to make sure that you're prepared for your prime rib. But we got to jump into brisket, man. Let's let's go. I'm going to let you get started. And I got tons of questions to ask because as far as I'm concerned, you're the Aaron Franklin in our group of brisket. So let's go. Brisket probably considered to be the holy grail of doing a barbecue and, and smoking food. Um, we've talked about it before. There's a fine line to making good brisket. And that line is razor thin. It's juicy and one of the best piece of meat you ever had. Or you're like, oh, this is dry and I'm not enjoying it. You know, of course, there's a little bit in between, but you could do everything the same exact way and it doesn't come out right. And so and don't be discouraged by that. Uh, I've been fortunate. I usually make a pretty darn good brisket. Rod, on the other hand, 50-50? So I've done it, let's see, four times now. The first time was the worst. Um, but I would probably say the other three times they've turned out good, but I'm not at your level. And I think I do think a lot of it has to do with equipment. And we'll get into that as we start talking cook temperatures. But what I'm, what I learned probably by the, actually, no, I've probably done six. What I learned by like around the fourth brisket was that at the, on the fourth brisket, I adjusted the temperature slightly different than what down. Um, and it worked out a lot better for me than trying to cook it a little bit higher. I think it was just, uh, it just didn't work out well for me with that higher heat uh, on my brisket. So I needed to cook more down to around 225. Uh, and it worked great. That's it's a learning it's a learning step it's it's knowing your equipment and your the meat but yeah I'm not nearly what you do on a brisket for sure. Okay, so I want to start this out by uh, providing three quick tips for our beginners, and this is uh, something that we're going to try to make sure we do in every episode, whether it's a, on the particular topic we're talking to or just three tips in general, because we want to ramp up the folks that are starting out in barbecue. And then we also want to uh, bring along or just add some more nuance to the folks that have been in the game for a minute. The 
first part about a brisket that I want to tip people to um, is buying a brisket, right? And what, what to look for. And for me, when I go and buy a brisket, I used to just go in and order a brisket and walk out the store and whatever happens, happens. But as I've moved along in, in this thing, I, I started realizing that I, one of the one of the main things you want to pay attention to is the flat. So if you look at a brisket and you get what they call a full packer, so this is an entire brisket. It's the point, which is one end of the brisket, and the flat, which is the is which is like another. There's like two different pieces of meat or muscle that actually are connected, and there's a layer of fat in between them. And some stores will just sell you sell you the flat. Someone will just sell you the point, and then other times you you can get the whole thing, which is the full packer. And um, what you want to look, what I like to look for, is a thicker flat. So that's the the flatter side uh, of the brisket. And the reason why is because I want to use as much of that as possible, and I want it to hold up. And a lot of times, what you find is when you go to buy a buy a brisket, that flat can kind of taper off and get really thin at the end, and it's never going to hold up on a twelve to fifteen hour cook cycle. It's just it's just, you know it's going to be charcoal by the time it's done. And so one of the first things I say when I order a brisket, I I usually ask for the thickest flat that you have in the butcher shop. Now, if you can't get a thicker flat, do you kind of err on the side of I'll just separate the, the, the point and the flat and cook them like on the same at the same time? But just now I know that they're going to cook at two different speeds. No, I generally don't do that. Um, you A lot of people will run their knife and separate the flat from the point and cook them separately. I, I don't do that. I, I'll just say I know there's more. I, I'll probably not won't be great brisket on the on the tip on the flat side of it where it's thinner. Um, and as a side note to this, uh, that's where burnt ends actually came from. Yep. Yeah. So the burnt ends, if people don't know, is you, the nickname is um, meat candy. And it's a technique we will talk about on another episode. But in these, uh, I think it's Kansas City, what they would do is they would cook their briskets and that flat side that they knew they couldn't really use as slices, they would cut up into cubes, drop it into some barbecue sauce and put it back in the in the smoker and let it render down some more. And then they would just serve that on the counter while people would go through and order their their orders and people would just be able to get a toothpick and get a piece of that um, those burnt ends because they weren't good enough to slice, but they still tasted good. They had a ton of seasoning on them and all that. So, yeah, so try to get a brisket if you go wherever store you go to. Try to get a brisket that has a thicker flat. I find that they'll, those hold up better in the uh, cook process. Okay. All right. Now, so in doing this picking, are you when you're choosing your meat, now I know you and I have talked about go to Snake River Farms, get one of their Wagyu um, briskets. Are you like what grade of meat are you looking at? I know you and I, I at least I haven't, I don't believe you have done a Wagyu brisket yet. But prime choice, or you're like, it's really just, I'm looking for, give me the thickest flat I can get on it, and I'm good. I'm not concerned with prime and choice. I'm looking for the right marbling, and as long as, to my eyesight, it has what I want, I'm ready to go? Or, Well, those things are tied together, right? Whether something is a choice, select, prime, it, that's tied to how much fat is in 
the in the uh, the meat that you're buying. So generally, the higher fat content in the meat, the higher grade that the meat is from choice to prime. Uh, generally, uh, I'm in that prime area uh, of purchasing. And honestly, you get a better product to me if you you get a better piece of meat. So I'm not saying you have to order a Wagyu brisket because those are like $300, you know, but you definitely don't want to get some $8.99 piece of meat and be like, this is going to be the best barbecue ever made. So find, you know, split the difference there uh, and really pay attention when you, especially if you go to a butcher or I, I look at the meat and I see those little white lines in between the red ones. And that's what I'm looking for to see that it has a ton of those because that's the fat that's going to render down and help create flavor in the meat. So don't just grab a brisket and be like, this is going to be the best brisket I've ever made. Pay attention to the the amount of fat content in between the meat, not the one, not the cap that's sitting on top, but the little in-between striations, because those those are what's going to give you a nice uh, brisket. And it's important to know that the look at both the flat and the point, because the point automatically will have more fat in it. Hence why it's the best piece of the brisket. It comes out better. Um, but, it, you know, so you want to make sure both sides have a good amount of fat, but don't expect to see the same amount of fat in the flat that you see in the point. The last tip that I want to give, and we'll, you know, we'll do definitely talk brisket more and more as we continue this podcast, but wrapping your brisket. You know, and there's a big debate whether you should wrap in paper or you should wrap in foil or not wrap at all. Damn, and I'm going to question. <laughs> I'm going to tell people wrap in foil in your first couple of briskets. It's easy, it's simple, and it works. So don't worry about I'm going to get some paper and this is what I've been told is the best because honestly wrapping in paper there's a little trick to it. And then uh wrapping in foil Pretty darn easy. And uh, like I said, it does work. It helps maintain those juices on the inside. Um, so don't don't go crazy. And and honestly, I would wrap until you learn what you want to see in your brisket, how you want that bark, the outside of the brisket to look and feel. I wouldn't worry about attempting to do one that's unwrapped. Uh, you know, as you go along and you start experimenting with different methods. Yeah, sure. Do some unwrapped, do some. Uh, wrapped in butcher paper and see if you like it better. Um, the general reason why people like to wrap in butcher paper versus foil is because it preserves the bark. It allows more breathability and less steaming of the meat. So, you know, you want to wrap it in the first place to help break down the brisket so that's very tender when it's done. Um, but at the same time, you don't want it to destroy the bark that you spent eight hours creating that outside crustiness that gets created as it's cooking because that's a nuance and and it adds a great flavor to the brisket as well so you're, you're trying to preserve it but you, you know don't make don't make think for a second that just because you wrapped in the foil your bark is gone in you know to the gutters it, it, yeah, I think it, it's just it, softer, it does not. right it it's just like gets a little bit softer but it still yeah. tastes great you know and i spent definitely my first two years making brisket wrapping in foil without issue you know, without eating it and be like, I'm missing something. So those three tips, you know, pay attention to the meat that you're buying. Um, pay attention to the fat content in the meat and definitely just keep it easy, simple, wrap it in foil, put it, in, put it in a brisket. I think those three tips right there 
are the perfect start and probably some of the biggest questions I had when I first started out with brisket. I think you also get a little bit quicker cook time probably with a foil wrap than you do with paper wrap. But um, It seems it, that way, but you know, there's so many things that affect it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you can have you two never, briskets you, on the exact same time, exact same thing and get di- two different results. Like you just, you never know. But I figured like that, as you were saying, that steaming factor that's actually happening, you get a little bit quicker of a, a cook time that might be happening. At least that's what I feel I've seen with them um, when I do use foil versus using paper. Yeah. So once uh, you get to the point where you selected your brisket and you get it home uh, as a bonus tip. And uh, this is something I picked up on watching. I can't even remember where I saw it, um, but I was watching somebody do a brisket. And one of the things, one of the things you want to do, and you should know, anytime you're slicing meat, you always want to slice against the grain. And if you look at the meat, it has the striations in it, and that's the, that's what we consider the grain, much like a wood pattern. And you want to slice against it because what happens when you go to eat it and you bite it, your teeth can go right in between in those striations and it becomes a, a better chew. That's the whole reason behind it in the first place. And so a lot of times after you cook it and you got your seasoning all over it, the grain becomes more difficult to see. So what I picked up was as I'm trimming my brisket and I look at the grain, I'll want a corner on the flat. I'll actually take a little slice out of that corner against the grain. And then that tells me when it's done, all I got to do is look for that corner that I sliced in the begin in the very beginning of the cook process. And that is the pattern or the direction that I need to slice when it go when it's time when the brisket is finished and it's ready to be cut up, I will follow the rest follow that direction through the rest of the brisket. And so it's just a quick way to visually see here's the pattern instead of having to flip the brisket over and toss it up and down and try to figure out, okay, let, where, where are these lines so I know how to cut this thing properly? You can just give yourself a little tip right out of the gate. There you go. Um, so when you go to trim your brisket, uh, first off, I, and we'll link this in our show notes, I've watched several videos. Probably one of the better ones that I've watched was done by Franklin of Franklin Barbecue. And he really walked through his process of how he trims a brisket. And for probably a better part of a year and a half, I would rewatch that YouTube video that he did before I trimmed my brisket. Now I've got it really down pat and I'm pretty solid with it. And so, but we will link that uh, show notes. So I'll just give you kind of a recap. And one of the things that you want to look for, first off, is the fat cap that sits on top of the brisket. You know, you, you I do tend to trim it down and I just feel it with my fingers. There's no 100% rule to this. But I, I try to maybe make leave an even quarter of an inch thick fat cap on top of the brisket. And so I'll take my knife and just I'll, I'll fill the brisket, the, the fat on top. And then I just start slicing away at it and just try to keep it within that quarter of an inch. If you accidentally scald it, you know, you take it all the way down to the actual meat of the brisket. Don't worry about it. It's not that big a deal, especially for a backyard barbecue. Yeah, just um, don't do that all the way across the entirety of the brisket. Like, yeah, yeah. Patch here yeah. and there is fine. Yeah, it's not, it's not going to be a big deal. Uh, the second thing is if you look at the brisket and you got the flat on one side and the, and the point on the other and the point's always higher, the higher side. Um, but there's kind of an aerodynamic nature to that brisket. And so, you know, it, it's kind of slopes down the, 
the uh, point towards the flat. And I try to respect that aerodynamic that's there as I'm cooking the brisket uh, so that, you know, I can help promote the airflow along that brisket so that, um, you know, it cooks pretty even and, and it cooks properly. So as you're slicing it, don't don't accidentally cut out that lump trying to make it all one flat brisket. Respect the aerodynamics that exist in there. Second thing is along the outside of the brisket, there's this super thick, hard uh, fat that exists, and that's called a decal. And you want to cut that all the way out because it's just never going to render down to the point where it's edible. Um, so you you want to cut it out. And normally what I'll do is I'll just look at the brisket and I'll cut a slice down each side just to kind of square it off and make it um, aesthetically pleasing to me. And during that process was one is when I end up cutting out that really hard fat. But you can grab it and feel it, and you can feel the difference, right? You can feel like the the fat cap on top is very soft, and then when you feel that on those the pieces on the, along the side, very hard. It you can't miss it. It's 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 definitely uh, very noticeable the difference there. Now, would you say, uh, I don't, I, I know you said don't say the word tallow in this episode, but would you think that some of that fat should be, should you render some of that down? Can you use that for anything? Or is it like, it's just garbage? Just throw that. Uh, I think most people tend to toss it out. I guess if somebody wants to make, render it down into some beef tallow, it may, you know, put it in a boil it down over time and maybe be able to get something out of it. I've, I've never okay. looked at that part just of it. The, uh, the other fat's good, but leave that one alone. Walk away. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. So in the first couple of briskets you're going to do to get to that comfortable spot, it's going to take you time. So don't 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 fret over these things. I'm just giving you some tips now to get started, because I know that I've talked to people all the time who are thinking I want to get started in a brisket. They're just scared to death. And I was the same way. So you just have to jump in and do it at some point. Um, so don't don't fret too much. You know, if you get if you knock the first one out of the park, great. If you don't. Okay, no big deal. You know, got to keep trying. Once you get that trimmed up, now we want to season it. And I've said this, and this is a reoccurring theme on this podcast. You can definitely just keep it very simple here. Salt and pepper. And that is huge in Texas. So when we talk about barbecue and uh, you have to talk about the regional nature of it, right? And different regions uh, do it differently. And uh, I'm a big fan of, for brisket at least, just doing 50% salt, 50% pepper. Now, with that being said, there are plenty of brisket rubs that exist that you can use. John Henry, who we talked about a couple episodes ago, they make a great brisket uh, rub. And that's one I use quite a, quite often. Um, and in fact, I will use it in conjunction with some salt and pepper. Just be careful. The salt content on both obviously would be a, a little bit higher. Um, I've done my own where I've just done a basic salt, pepper, some paprika, some onion powder, some garlic powder and some chili powder and kept it very simple. Uh, so it's up to you, but if you're just starting out, try not to add too many factors because when you add all these different things to what you're doing, it makes it very difficult, uh, to figure out what you need to change to make it better. And this is the same in software. You know, somebody calls uh, and they're having an issue. If you make them change a bunch of settings at the same time and then the problem goes away, how do you know which change actually fixed the problem? 
right? So it's like, like one of the basics you learn when you're troubleshooting software. So, yep. I was going to ask, and I, unless I blanked out and missed what you said, did you ever talk about removing silver skin or do you, is it not that important at this, at the basic stage? In the beginning stages, it's not really that important. There is a little tiny bit of silver skin on the bottom of the brisket that you can trim off if you want to. I didn't do it in the beginning and never necessarily noticed it. It's not, it's not the same type of silver skin you would find in a, in a ribs. You know, that becomes like super chewy and hard to get through. It really doesn't hold up well, but I will, I tend to now at this point, because I'm doing everything I can to make my next brisket better than the last one, I will tend take time to trim that off. And, and when we talk about trimming, we probably should mention, um, your knives. You don't have to go out and buy the most expensive knife you can find. I bought, some uh, Henkel uh, boning knives and I just keep them very sharp and that's what I use and then I recently bought a uh, Vitrionics boning knife and I've been using that and that's the same as the knife Vitrionics makes a boning knife, they make all kind of knives but uh, the probably they make the most popular brisket knife the one that you see uh, if you've ever watched a video of somebody cutting a brisket and they got this giant knife that they use, it looks like it's like two feet long. It's probably that vitriolics knife that they're using. I ordered one and haven't looked back because I want a knife that's longer than the brisket to make it easier to make those slices. Um, so definitely, you know, when trimming your brisket, keep your knife sharp, keep the brisket cold because if the brisket is too warm, the fat starts to melt and it becomes harder to cut through the fat. So you definitely want to keep that brisket or have that brisket on the colder side. Uh, when you're when you're going through and trimming it okay um i was going to give a so it is for my pick for later but uh i'll do it now just because since you when you were talking seasoning one seasoning i would consider is uh and i don't know if you've ever tried it is um it's called the um uh, holy cow barbecue rub from uh guys at meat church i have not used that rub now it's good rub you should uh uh, give that one a shot and see what you think of that one. But again, there's tons of options out there, but I do think I will agree with you on one thing. Keep it simple, stupid, salt and pepper, get yourself started and go from there. Yep. Good knives. Um, they'll, 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 the technology of a good knife, we've mentioned this many times, will be your best friend. Honestly, and I think the problem that most people get into is that they don't either they don't sharpen their knives often enough. Or it's the, the pain in the butt of, I got to give up all my knives. And I'd say if you are with the knife guy we use, I mean, you you drop your knives off this afternoon, you can pick them up tomorrow. So it's usually I'm a, a, a day without knives and I'll just take half the knives in, drop those off. And then I have some knives at home and then I'll just take the next half back in the next day. So it's like two days I'm going to and picking up knives, but it's like four or five miles from my house quickly sharpened right back. And every time I sharpen my knives, I'm like, man, I didn't realize how sucky my knives were right. until you get them back from sharpening. So man, I just you know, spend a couple of times and find somebody in your area that does good knife sharpening. And the serrated yes. ones are the worst because they're mo- they're, they charge you by the inch, but most of the blades, it's, you're not paying much. You know, I, I might wind up spending like for all my knives, like 30 bucks to get them sharpened, but yeah, they don't, they don't charge much at all. Yeah. 
and it's, and it's it, it, worth every penny. It's like Wi-Fi, right? Yeah, it starts going out, and you just ignore it. You you deal with the outages until you <laughs> until you realize that no, I should have just got it changed. Same thing with your knives. You know, it gets you deal with the dullness, what you th- which you don't notice is dull until you like, oh god, this thing is razor sharp now. So yeah, so definitely step that up. So let's talk about cooking your brisket. So when you go buy your brisket. I would angle away from getting the biggest brisket you can find, much like we talked about on our special Thanksgiving episode. Uh, you don't need to go get a 30 pound turkey. You know, same thing with a brisket. I think if you start with like a 15 pound brisket, by the time you trim it up, it'd probably be around 12. I think that's a perfect size brisket to start with. Now, it's funny because we say this and um, there was one time we were doing we were doing burgers mm-hmm. and we, cause we were splitting the brisket, making burger, like making half, um, half chuck, half brisket burgers. We got, no, was that day we got the largest brisket we could find? Like it was like, is this the biggest one I have is like 19 pounds. Yeah. I think that brisket we used to make a brisket out of. And then yeah. we cut those up and put it on the burgers. And I remember you commenting, this was the best brisket ever. Now, can you repeat that again? No, it just happened. Probably the fat structure in that meat was just outstanding. Yep. Um, so also don't let it be like a tip, like a, well, every, the best brisket I ever had was the largest brisket I ever cooked. Therefore, every brisket I should cook is going to be a large brisket. No, right. you know, uh, a, a 12 pound brisket is just as good, can be just as good as a 20 pound brisket, but yeah. don't. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, for cook time, for least amount of panic, for even wrapping it, right? Because when you get those larger briskets, they're a little bit more of a pain to wrap. Uh, so. It, um, you know, just start with something like that. And uh, so, and which leads us into cooking the brisket. So I always plan on about four, 13, 13 hours of cook, two hours of rest time to make a brisket. But that's just my planning. What actually happens, the meat dictates to me, right? I also plan on pretty much around 165. Uh, that that brisket should hit that stall we've talked about where it just stops raising in temperature for about three hours, two to three hours. And that's fine. Don't panic. It's hard, I know, but don't panic. This is natural and, and will happen to you. And to be fair, so is panicking. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you yes. say don't panic, but when you're like, oh my God, like it's still at one like 54 and it's just like stalling, then you're like, Oh my gosh, it went down to 151. Like, what is going on with this piece of just, meat? It's gonna dry out sitting here. Just tell yourself this is when we get the color and the and the bark really set the way we like it. So <laughs> no, this is when we but, separate the men from the boys. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is this is absolute panic time because for many and it's not that actually it is. It's a it's an expensive piece of meat. And when you have people coming over, like, what are we having? We're having brisket. They're like, oh, wow. Like, he's, like, going all out for us. And then you're like, I might have to send my wife to make some barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> and just tell him to give her a whole brisket just so I don't look so bad. Right, right. Just have one on the back just in case. <laughs> yeah, no, don't panic. It's going to happen. And you're going to panic anyway. But just remember, this is part of it. So, um, now, what I find is uh, – the, the when I inject my brisket, it uh, cooks a lot more even, and uh, I like the flavor I get out of it. So I do recommend injecting your brisket, even if you're a beginner. Um, and now, 
what do you inject it with? Keep it simple. We talked about the spit jack uh, recently, um, but any meat injector you have is fine. Uh, just inject with the grain. Another tip that I picked up watching uh, the great Myra Mixon. And I would always just start jabbing that brisket and injecting it. And inevitably half the uh, injection would come right back out. And uh, what I learned from him was to inject it with the grain so that more of the that'll cause more of the juices because you're not fighting the structure of the brisket that the, the juices you're injecting in can find a path inside of that grain. And so you end up keeping more uh, within the brisket. So another tip, definitely inject. And a simple thing to inject a brisket with, beef broth. Go buy you uh, your favorite beef broth, inject it into the, into the brisket. Simple. You can get into making your own little injection uh, liquids, but if you want to keep it simple and and do something easy that's going to taste good, just use a beef broth. Cooking beef, want it to taste like beef? Inject it with beef broth. Done. Why not, easy. Why, why not solidify that beef flavor? So there you go. Um, so once you start, so what I like to do is inject it, put the rub on the outside of it because some of that injection will come back out and it'll help the rub stick. I don't do any mustard on my brisket or any oil on my brisket to help the rub stick. I just let it do that naturally. And I like to let the brisket sit in the refrigerator for like maybe an hour um, at least. Um, but I have at the same time, I've definitely so seasoned I, I, them up and put them directly in the, on the smoker as well. So after injecting, let it rest for an hour with seasoning. Yeah, that's what I, seasoning that's, rest. Yeah, that's what I like to do. But it's not mandatory. So don't don't kill yourself over that, that aspect of it. So definitely a good well, injector. Nothing crazy. And uh yep. But when you're letting it rest, you're trying to get that little bit of a tacky um yes, texture. Yes, because right? what happens is the salt and uh in the meat will start pulling the juices and then they'll start mixing and get real tacky on the outside and really kind of solidify itself on the outside of the brisket. And that's okay. what I that's what I like to do. So there you go. Um so once I put it on my, uh, on my, now let's talk about the smoker and the smoker temp. Um, so regulate your smoker temp. Uh, definitely. I personally, I've done 225 all the way through. I've done 325 all the way through. And I've done a bunch of numbers in between. For my particular smoker, I like to smoke briskets at 250. Every once in a while, I'll do one around 300, which is once you get them those upper temperatures, you call that hot and fast. And then once you're, you know, and then lower temperatures, low and slow. Uh, and okay. even though it's hot and fast, you're really only shaving maybe, you know, two, maybe three hours off of it. But there is an effect that happens when you do one hot and fast, which is the brisket kind of pulls on itself more and it becomes a little bit thicker and a lot of people feel like that allows more space for juices to be cooked and rendered inside the meat. And it, they like that. Myra Mixon is a hot and fast guy. Um, but it does. It, you're going to have, you're going to have to experiment with it. So in this initial dealing with brisket, just do 225 to 250. Let it cook like that. You know, keep it simple. Later on, you can experiment with, increasing the temperature if you find something that comes out better for you now once it hits that 165 range this is where we're going to wrap it um, most 
cases, you're probably going to need two strips of foil and overlap them. Put that brisket in that foil. And then you're just basically going to tumble the brisket and fold the edges in on the ins- on on itself to kind of create that little basket, if you will, um, on a brisket. What if someone is listening to you here? Uh, dude, I live in Texas. No, res- no self-respect in Texan would ever wrap a brisket in foil. <laughs> it's like, can you give me a tip for wrapping in paper? Because if my friends come over and see my brisket wrapped in foil, you know, that's that's rough, man. It's it's like living yeah, in Dallas so, wearing a Redskins jersey or a Washington football team jersey. I can't do so it, man. There's nothing wrong with wrapping it. Uh, honestly, most of the time I do my briskets at this point, I do wrap in paper. It's almost the same process, right? You will cut two strips of paper. You will overlap them a bit and then put the brisket in between. And then, you know, what I do is bring that the part of the paper that's closest to me above the brisket and then I'll start rolling it and uh, tucking it. The problem is when you wrap with foil because it's so pliable that it, you, you can get a nice neat wrap um, every right. time. You know, when you wrap with paper, it can be a bit challenging. I'm trying to fold the outside in. And then so so essentially what you'll do is you'll take the you know, you'll put the brisket probably like five or six inches up. You're not just going to put it on the tip of the paper that's closest to you. And then you'll fold that paper up on the brisket and then you'll take the outsides and fold them in almost like you're making a burrito. And then you'll 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 basically take the rest of the paper all the way throughout and fold it in as well. So it, so it matches the angle or where you're at when you folded it in on the brisket, flip the brisket over. And then if it's anything on the outside, just fold it inwards again. If not flip the brisket over and you just keep kind of folding the paper in and flipping the brisket until it's completely wrapped. So could you also fold it? Like you typically see like military people folding a flag, like where you're doing that triangle toppling fold. Uh, to get the brisket there, yeah, I don't yes. really do it like you don't that. Know what you're doing, of course you can. No, no, it's not that. I, I don't do it like <laughs> that. So I'm sure it would work, but uh, it 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 just becomes a little challenging. And, and and honestly, if you wrap your brisket in paper, and then all of a sudden you see like all these edges that don't, who cares? You know, as long as it's completely wrapped and it can steam inside that paper, you're you're gonna be fine. You know, just okay. re reinsert your uh your thermometer into the meat and put it back in. So all right, now so take it. Go ahead, sorry. So the other thing I like to do while I'm wrapping, whether in full or in paper, is I will spray some liquid into the paper or into the brisket so that it kind of starts the steaming process relatively early. So, you know, take some of that, save some of that beef broth that you use to inject it with so that you can spray and wet down the the brisket in the, you know, uh, around the Around wherever you, whatever you're wrapping it with, and so then you're putting a little bit inside before you put the brisket down on it, and then you're spraying the outside of it as well to wet it a little bit. Yeah, or I just, just wet it a little inside. bit. Yeah, right. yeah, just wet it a little bit. Yeah, you can do it either way. You can put the brisket in and then spray this whatever is available. Spray a little bit on the paper and then wrap it up uh, over the foil. Uh, you, you're not soaking it. You're just adding a little bit of moisture. The brisket's going to create its own moisture anyway, and then put it back in. Um, now, to be clear, is that the is that the only time you're spraying? Like you're not opening and spraying as it's cooking to get to the point of wrapping? Never, never, <laughs> never. In fact, once I wrap the brisket, I will never see it again 
until it's time to eat. Never. So once it's wrapped, so your, pro, it's wrapped. your probe is going through the paper into the brisket, and you're that's cooking. correct. And you want you want to probe the the uh, the point because that's going to take the longest to cook. So probe the point side. All right. So, and I think this is like the when when you're when do you know to wrap? Is it purely temperature? Is it color and temperature? Is it color temperature? And I'm I'm checking to make sure I got the right fat rendering. Is it a combination of all three? Um, what it's temperature? Definitely a combination you- of all three. Uh, for my beginners, though, just once your brisket hits 165, go ahead and wrap it. Yeah, you're fine. You're perfectly fine wrapping at 165. However, uh, you know, for those folks that are a bit more, hey man, the the, the brisket is, is is that holy grail. So if it's a little bit lighter than you want it, let it cook longer. It's fine. I've wrapped briskets at 175 because that's how long it took before I had the, uh, a nice looking bark that I was happy with. Um, I've wrapped them at 185. Just you know, you use your best judgment. But for, for, but for my beginners who I'm aiming this particular episode to soon as that thing hits 165 go ahead and pull it and uh and wrap it so since this is geared towards beginners probe at the start like as soon as you put the meat on probe it that way because if you're looking you're not cooking that's (laughs) that's the famous saying so if you probe at the beginning you don't have to worry if you're if you're saying like like i'm not going to mess with this thing until it gets to 165 even though you're tempted to look and say how does it kind of look how does this look yeah, so I, I definitely start. probe it as soon as it goes in because there's a couple nuances. One, yes, I don't have to keep opening it to to check on it. I can watch the temperature. Two, you want to understand and start paying attention to this is what I bought. This is what it weighed when I first bought it. I trimmed it. How did it cook throughout the process? It's one of the great things I love about my Flame Boss is it actually has a chart, a graph on the app. So you can kind of see how the temperature rose over time. So you can go back and look at previous cooks to see is your smoker cooking consistently? Um, you know, what were the differences? So understanding what you're buying and what, what the, um, attributes of it was, you know, was it really thick? Was it thinner? Was it, you know, 15 pounds? Was it 20 pounds? Was it 10 pounds? And then watching those, go back and look at those previous cooks, um, it is awesome because it really will help you be able to predict the next one. So, all right, you've cooked to the point, you pull the brisket off, you're getting ready to wrap it. Is this where I separate flat and point for my, cause you, you, you tease everybody with meat candy or do I wait till I'm fully done cooking the entirety of the brisket to get, as you call it, meat candy out of just curiosity. So if you intend to do burnt ends, honestly, no. You would just cook everything intact. Once the brisket is done, done, like you're getting ready to uh, rest it, that's when you would separate, to me, separate the point, cut it in the cube, put it back in, and let it cook down even more uh, in the sauce itself. But um, for for regular cooking, yeah, no. you uh, Pretty much, I never separate mine. Um, again, if other people do it, more power to you. It's just not what I do. I don't separate right. it at all. So finish my full cook, and if I want some meat candy, then I gotta, I gotta do that after it's all all coming off. Because I guess where I struggle is, I mean, one example you gave is, I don't look at the brisket again until I'm about to eat. So I'm trying to figure out, like, for the person who's saying, 
I do want some of those burnt ends. Like when I do this brisket, I want to try it. Do I, do I, is that a decision I'm making at, 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 at time where I'm carving the brisket up and trimming it? Should I then separate so that I can get to meat candy or like, I'm just trying to make sure I, that someone who decides yeah. they want to try this route when they, when they make that decision to get that piece of meat. Okay. So first off, we should add some nuances to that question because it's a good question. If somebody is making burnt ends and you decide I'm buying a brisket and I want to make burnt ends. Nowadays, most of the times burnt ends are made from the the point, not the flat. So you would separate the at some point you're going to separate that point, which is the the fattier side, cut it up into cubes and then put it back in the pan and and then cook it down some more in barbecue sauce and let it render down even more. But um for me, it, it it doesn't necessarily matter if I'm making, if I decide, if I'm cooking a brisket, I'm like, you know, I'm going to make some burnt ends out of this as well. I'm going to cook the whole brisket the same. I have separated it because like, you know, we were using the flat for burgers and we decided to make burnt end burgers. So we took the point, cooked it like brisket, and then, you know, once it was ready, cut it into cubes, put it back in. And um, and then rendered it down some more in the sauce, and then we use that on top of the burgers that we made from the point. I mean, from the flat, and some of the best burgers we've ever made. Um, so yeah, so you know, I would not necessarily buy a brisket and say I'm going to separate it with the intention of doing this because you can certainly, by all means, cook it all the way first, and then later on take it and make burnt ends out of it. Um, My mouth is watering thinking of those burnt ends. Yeah, they, they were. <laughs> Man, gracious! It, it, it's funny because I, I went to um, I went to our local barbecue spot here, Black Hog, and uh, I ordered some brisket. And they were like, "Do you want Kansas City brisket or do you want regular brisket?" And I said, "What on earth is a Kansas City brisket?" And they were like, "Oh, well, they're our version of burnt ends." I was like, "Just call them burnt ends. Don't call them Kansas City brisket. That's silly." You know, yes, it was invented there, but just call it burnt ends. You're at a you're a barbecue restaurant. You know, don't get fancy with the names. Keep it simple. You know, how, it's burnt ends. I didn't get the burnt ends. I, I, oh, okay. Yeah. How was the brisket? No, that I like their brisket. It's, it's okay. It. Uh, How's it compared it, to yours? I think I do a better brisket personally, but you know, I don't. I don't I'm have biased. to serve. I don't have to serve. You know, hundreds of people that come through the door. Right. I can make them one at a time. So, you know, it's not a knock on it. And I went to order the brisket and I'll probably order some today because I just feel like ordering brisket. I don't feel like taking the time to cook any. All right. So with that being said, um, rest. Yes. So once your brisket for me reaches 205. Um, so for, for beginners, start with like 200 and see and go from there. Right. You know, you may find that 195 works, uh, two, 201, 203, 205. But essentially, just start with 200. That's where I started. And I got some great briskets from that. And then from there, I kind of bumped it up to 205. Uh, but once that brisket reached that temperature, you want to take it off the smoker and rest it. How you rest it, um, you can use a Caterade, which is a, um, a pan storage uh, option is basically an upright cooler that has uh, guides for storing those long uh, serving pans. You can use one of those. You can put it in a cooler 
Um, just wrap, take your brisket, put it in a foil pan, uh, wrap that pan with a um, towel, and then stick that in, in a cooler. Because uh, you just basically want that heat to continue to radiate and redistribute the juices back through because those juices are being pulled towards the middle and then you want them to radiate back out. Uh, right. A buddy of mine was having, we were having a debate whether you actually needed to rest it. And, and he made a good point. If you're going to cut that brisket immediately and eat it all, do you really need to rest it? Yes. It's a good question. Right. Because you know, the problem with cutting it too soon is you lose a lot of those juices. Right. And they start going out. But if you losing those juices onto your plate and you're eating that brisket immediately, did you really lose it? So uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd, like, I'd be interested to see uh, hear other people's opinions on this. Tweet me and let me know what you think. Um, I said I rested no matter what. It's, it's got to rest. Um, but they, he made a, it was an interesting conversation. So it's one I'd love for fans, our new fans and friends to continue, uh, to discuss if, you know, what you feel. But to me, it's got to rest at least from two hours is what is, is my minimum for resting. And that's to redistribute the juices through the meat. And then once you take it out, put it on that cutting board, you got to look for your little corner you did, slice along those lines. Once you get up to the point, I would then separate the point from the rest of the flat that hasn't been cut yet uh, because the grains on the point run differently than the flat. So you don't want to just slice all the way through. You're going to mess it up. Yeah, you can actually see and almost I think if, if you're if you're paying enough attention, you can feel in the knife when the, the grain starts to change. But it is it is relatively obvious. So. I'm trying to remember thinking back and I'm also trying to keep cognizant to, um, we don't lo- like the episodes to go super long, but, um, did we say fat side up, fat side down? Cause I told no. you we're going to have issues if we don't. No. So this is the kind of point of that conversation where we're going to have this chat again, very specifically. And I'm not here to tell you that fat side up. I don't is, mind. I don't mind is, telling them if you want me is to. better than fat side down. But on this show, fat side up is better than fat side down. <laughs> okay. I was like, if you're not willing to make a definitive statement, I am. <laughs> I have tried both. I've tried both on multiple occasions. And fat side up is always better. There are provisions for cooking fat side down that are discussed, such as the heat source is directly under the under the, the brisket and so the fat side down is supposed to work better because it's kind of protecting the rest of the brisket from that direct that heat hitting it too hard i've never had that issue so not my problem but uh and the witness man and barbecue is a fat side down guy right he is a fat side down guy yes i don't understand it but you know it is what it is um but I encourage people to try both. Now, understand, this is my disclaimer, <laughs> you may be wasting a brisket. <laughs> <laughs> so keep that side up. <laughs> but you got to try it on your smoker. You have to, because how else will you know if you don't try it? But start with fat side up. Don't even get into fat side down until... 
you know, you're well in and because you, you want to get a process down first so that you can understand what the differences are when you try the other option. Um, but uh, definitely start with the fat side up. It to me is it's a no. I remember uh, I was watching a video with Franklin from Franklin Barbecue and they were asking him about fat side up, fat side down. He goes, what, you know, does a worker ever accidentally put it fat side down? It's like, yeah, they no longer work here. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, Yeah. they no longer work here. (laughs) And an an unemployed worker might do that, but uh, not an employee. Yeah. Yeah, So yeah, for him, it's always fat side up and they, that dude is a beast. From what I've from what I've been told, yeah, I'm 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 a hundred percent in his camp. Fat side up, it's the it's the only way to go. And I've you know you've walked me through a number of briskets. I've helped friends out with their briskets and trying to you know get them going and avoid. I think what which are the common mistakes is what I think a lot of this episode is about is let's get you making a good brisket. It it is a challenging piece of meat. It is does take a lot out of your soul. I wouldn't necessarily say for New Year's Eve with a whole bunch of people coming to your house should be your first brisket. Do one, do two, do three and get a little bit more comfortable where you're, because honestly, the stall is the worst part, think, uh, the worst piece. And if you watch any number of brisket episodes where someone is actually being very truthful about making a brisket, when they show you the meat entering the stall, it can be, it, you're, cause you're tempted to turn the heat up to try to get it to break past the stall. You're tempted to open it up, which is the worst thing to do because you're letting heat out. You're like, maybe I should just wrap it now, but it doesn't have the right color. And you've also opened it up to verify all that. It is, it is soul searching right there, man. That, yeah. It's what separates the men from the boys. And so one final piece that I'll end on is, um, spraying a brisket while it's cooking. Mm-mm-mm. And, uh, the reason why I saved it for the end, because it's completely optional. I've done both and I've enjoyed brisket steps doing both. I think if you said, Chris, you're going all out on this brisket. It's not yours. It's for somebody else. You're putting your your name on this brisket. I would spray the brisket. And uh, I would do my typical spray, 30% hot sauce, uh, 30% uh, vinegar, 30% uh, apple juice. It's a great spray for me. And um, it, it, it just keeps that outside moist so that it doesn't dry out while you're still trying to get up the temperature. And I usually start spraying a brisket maybe after the first two hours it's been on the smoker. So I don't start spraying it right away. And uh, once it's wrapped, you know, instead of putting the beef broth in the, uh, as the steaming agent, I will use the spray. Have you ever tried to put um, like um, actual fat, like some of the fat you have, not the bad fat, but the just regular fat. Have you ever tried to throw fat into the fire? I know some people say that, one, it smells good, but uh, have you ever tried to no. see if that doesn't? No, you're like, no, leave that no. garbage alone. No, the only no thing in my fire, fire is fire, <laughs> um, which I should mention. Um, you know, typical woods that go good with uh, beef is, 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 is pecan. You like that? I like pecan. Um, I tend to use oak, oak. the most, and uh, but you can do hickory, you can do combinations, but um, you know, hickory is fine. A little bit stronger, uh, but if you like that, it's fine. But uh, if you want, just do a little bit of hickory, a little bit of uh, pecan, 
And I think you'll get a good smoke out of it. And, yeah, and as we've said on other episodes, get yourself, make sure your smoke is coming out clear. You don't want billowing white smoke coming out because you're just going to ruin an expensive piece of meat. So uh, nice. You should be burning nice, clean smoke. You're still going to get a great smoke ring on it, but don't. If it's still billowing white smoke, you're not where you need to be on your fire to put your brisket on. Give yourself yeah, at least an hour soon. to get your smoker to the right temperature. Yep. And uh, with that, I mean, I know we've done a couple picks throughout the show, and I will reiterate those because I think we probably hit on some of the things you want. Um, yeah, the Vitrionics knife. The Vitrionics knife. I talked about the Holy Cow barbecue rub. We talked about the spit jack for injecting. You mentioned the um, the Caterade. Um, yes. Uh, I think the Caterade, I, I like the fact that they have different sizes. Um, yep. So whether you want to travel with them and it may, it, when I first got it, I, I think I was just being a jerk, right? I was like, oh, these guys use that. I'm going to get one. But in the end, and I, because I was tailgating and it does really work and make things a lot easier. And when we did the big barbecue, when Steve and Allison came by, the Caterade was yeah. full in fact. This thing is awesome. Yeah. And, in lieu uh, of that, you can use a cooler and yep. a, a brisket would go very well in a cooler. What I recommend is obviously your brisket, no matter, even if you do the catering, you want to, after it comes off its wrap, put in a pan because the juices you're going to have and you don't want them in the bottom of your cooler. If you're cooler, like many people are sitting outside in their garage and you live in the northern climate where it's going to be cold, bring the cooler inside to try to get to warm up, but just boil some water, dump it into the cooler so that it warms the inside of the cooler is a nice warm temperature, dump the water out. And then when you put the brisket in, it's in a warm environment, not an ice cold cooler because you're, you're essentially shocking it and bringing the temperature down way too fast. You want to, you want to have a room temperature environment or slightly above room temperature that it'll, it can slowly creep into. And the cooler is going to take all that heat from the brisket. It's going to keep the cooler warm. And I mean, we, Pull those briskets out of the caterade, what, four or five hours later and steaming, steaming. So yeah, it's way to go. And they were, no one was complaining. Yep. No one was complaining. So cool. Right. So folks continue to hit us up on Twitter, continue to uh, send us those messages, ask those questions, show me your barbecue. I'm enjoying the pictures I'm seeing. Saw some great spatchcock chickens this past uh, <laughs> week. And I, again, I don't dislike them. teasing you. Yeah, they looked. I mean, some of them looked absolutely gorgeous. They're like, yeah, they're like, yeah. look, this is how you do it. You this is how you do a spatchcock sucker. You know what I mean? And I was <laughs> like, hey, hey, don't beat me up. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, saw some great ones. And I, and of course, then I felt obligated to show. I got game. I can do that. I can do this. And I sent out mine. You know what I mean? I thought it looked pretty good. So yeah. Until so that's it. So that's it for the brisket basics episode. Um, again, if you want to support the store, uh, support us, uh, head over to barbecueandtech.com forward slash store. You can see the latest uh, cutting boards and uh, ashtrays, um, shirts that we have up there. We definitely have some more things that are about to go up there. Some uh, some more unique ashtrays, some more unique items we're going to put up there. Um, A couple that, of three three D cutting boards that uh, if, I, oh, if I just if I can if I can just bring my soul to sand some more end grain. God, yeah, it just it's it's rough. my soul. And but we want to be clear. We're making these with our own hands. We are not, ha- you know, having them made somewhere out of the country and having them shipped in. We're making everything. So that's why when you see a stock, if it's there, it's there. If it's not, you know, we got to yeah, make more. That's why you don't see 50 of them. You see like one five, or two, one, five. Two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, these low numbers. Uh, so, yeah. So anyway, we're out of here. Until then, thank you so much, everybody, for your support. We appreciate you guys. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Peace.
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 